Welcome to another episode on the Unlocking Your Mind podcast. My name's Tom Morgan and I'll be bringing you an array of inspirational stories from people who have achieved amazing things. Each guest offers an interesting insight into the highs and lows they have faced along their path to success. There is definitely a lesson or two in each podcast and ways we can improve our own lives. I hope you enjoy. My guest on today's podcast is professional rugby player Lloyd Ashley. Lloyd is an age-grade international for Wales and has represented the Ospreys over 120 times during his career, as well as captaining the side on a number of occasions. In recent times, Lloyd has set up his own company called Living Well with Lloyd Ashley, which he runs alongside his rugby commitments, a company which prides itself on offering an inclusive space to live a more healthy lifestyle, both physically and mentally. Lloyd is a fantastic advocate for promoting positive mental health. He offers tips and techniques that we can all use to better our mental health in a time of uncertainty. Lloyd's great work has seen him become appointed as the Welsh Rugby Players Association Mental Health and Wellbeing Lead, as well as becoming a Havel Charity Ambassador. During this conversation, we get into what life is like as a professional rugby player, as well as talking in depth on how we can all better look after our mental health and how important it is to talk about the things that may be weighing us down. And by doing so, we can end the stigma surrounding mental health. I hope you enjoy. Lloyd, thank you for joining me on the podcast, mate. Um, really happy to have you on. I can't wait to get into this chat. You know, I think we both share a similar ethos with, with what we're doing. Um, we're using a platform to speak about, you know, men's mental health, how we can get a positive mindset. And also just be, just living a healthier life and just being more open. So how are you? Yeah, cheers, Tom. Thank you for uh, the invite on. Uh, appreciate appreciate the support as well that uh, you've given me online with the stuff that uh, I'm doing. So thank you for that. But yeah, um, doing really well, mate. Sunshine in Friday afternoon. Can't complain at all. So yeah, all good. Um, but yeah, I agree completely. I think that um, our views on the fact that um, there's small changes everybody can make just to live um, a little bit of a better life and be have more fulfillment. And also that there's so much that we can share from experiences, whether we think we're the same as somebody or completely different, we can learn so much from each other. So hopefully the more open forums we have and the more conversations that go on, the, the more we learn from each other and the, the better we feel about ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I listened to... Um the podcast you're on with Stevie Ward uh, the other day on his Mentality podcast. And that's exactly the type of conversations that we need to have, you know, be more open and think, you know, we've, we've got to vocalize how we feel sometimes, you know, things are hard. We're, we're in another lockdown, you know, things are, are, are crazy, you know, we're on our lo- uh, own a lot. Um, we're not seeing our friends as much. We're not doing things that we enjoy doing. So sometimes you've, you've got to speak if something's on your mind, haven't you? Yeah, mate, and it's hard because at the moment we probably haven't got answers for everything and the uncertainty is a really hard thing for anybody's mental health. So we're not sure when when coronavirus is going to be almost curbed and we're going to uh, find a way to live safely around it. We don't know what people are going to have jobs at the end of all this. We don't know what, if you look at it from a rugby point of view, you don't know when it's going to be like fans back in the stadium, mm. how much this season is going to be affected by the coronavirus and then you go to normal life you don't know like some people are losing family members you don't like 
you don't want it to be your family members. So you have that anxiety. So there's so much going on and we obviously don't know the long-term effect and that, that causes anxiety in itself. So yeah, there's lots, lots and lots of things going on, but I always go back to what are the, what are the couple of things around you you can control? And to me is having these conversations, giving people safe spaces to speak and just, just be in there for as many people as you can, because the more you're there for others and give to others, the more fulfilled you feel as well. So it's not just for others, it's for yourself. And the more we can have these conversations, make open spaces and just remember who we are. So if you do have a bit more time, how do you make the most of that time? Do you spend more time with your family, with your loved ones? Do you spend more time being out, uh, out and about, being physically active? Is there new courses and stuff you learn from? Uh, connect into new people like you were talking about um, the podcast with Stevie Ward like I, I, I only connected to Stevie probably just at the start of uh, lockdown about trying to do something for my uh, uh, Living Well with Lloyd Ashley Instagram page and he, he rang me uh, he sent the videos across for four questions he was doing for me and then about an hour later after sending the videos across he rang me and I was like he must be ringing me on accident. It must be a mistake. He's ringing me, pick up the phone and he's like, oh, may I just think it's important we say about connections. And I think it's important for me to give you a call, find out what you're doing. Our values seem to align. And all of a sudden you strike up a new friendship. You've got somebody to bounce ideas back and, back and forth. And that's just so important. And I don't think enough at the moment we pick up the phone, we text, we WhatsApp, just say, you're okay. And it's easy to hide behind that, those messages that we send from there. So the one thing I have seen from lockdown is there is more people starting to pick up the phone or yeah. when you do ring people, they're actually answering rather than just texting back, <laughs> yeah. which we know we've all done from time to time. So I think it's so important that if we learn anything from this, we learn how important that those physical connections are because we've all lost that and missed out on that. Um, and whether it is, like I said earlier, fans of rugby games or whether it's being able just to ring your mate and go and see them, whatever that uh, connection is for you and that uh, physical connection is, we, I think we've all realised how much we miss that. I agree. I think that's really important what you touched on there. And um, I was speaking to one of my friends the other night and um, it was just one of those conversations where you're like, how are things? And he replied, yeah, good mate, good, yeah, good pal. I move on. And I said, no, 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 like, you've been working from, you live on your own, you've been working from home for six months now, you're away from your family, you can't see your mates apart from over video call. How are you actually doing? You know, and don't, don't you know, don't give me a half-assed answer, I'm actually asking. And then we spent the next 20 minutes talking about stuff we've never spoke about. You know, he could actually feel like he could open up and you could see his voice lifting as we were speaking because he was finally getting stuff off his chest that he'd never spoken about. And it's just showing people that side of empathy that you want for yourself you know even in work now I, I always make sure you know how are you doing you know how are things or giving a colleague a text and saying look I, I, I know you know we might be all under it a bit but I think you're doing a great job because those little messages they mean the world to people don't they yeah and we know they mean the world to us the other way around so, exactly like we're only living from uh what we like and the things that we know have supported us. Yeah. So it's so important that we do, do do that and what we can do. 
um, on that on that point. And like uh, when we were in the main lockdown as uh, in the Ospreys, uh, WRPA manager for the Ospreys, Tim Jones, put a hell of a lot of effort into making sure the boys stay connected. And I know everybody was doing quizzes and that, and it was all the same stuff going on. But it was a lot of effort just to put in, just to make sure that people had options. So then it was. Um, different things. If it wasn't a Zoom, it was just a it was just a check in on a Friday night at the end of the week. So mm-hmm. anybody who wanted to say about their training week, what was going on, or whether it was just a uh, pick up a beer or pick up a glass of red wine, just have half hour together, um, yeah. chew the fat as uh, as we all say, and just just get on with it. But it's important just to create uh, that space for it. And it's not always easy, and. It's so easy day to day, isn't it? Like you talk about, you were talking then, uh, Tom, about open, open-ended questions, yeah. so people have to answer them rather than you okay and people just say yes. So <laughs> yeah. the, how are you feeling? They start, they're a bit more thought-provoking. They're open, so people need to. They can't just go, yeah, because they have to actually answer the question. Yeah. So they're so important, but it's it's also so important when we do ask those questions that. We are not distracted ourselves and we are, we're open for the answers. We're there. And you talk about showing empathy and just showing that you're completely present in that conversation. You're not just asking on the way past where you're carrying on walking as you ask somebody, you okay on the way past that? Yeah. Or if you sat down with them, you haven't got your phone in front of you as you ask them. But there's little things. And we are, we are so busy now because everything's with us all the time. And yeah. it's so easy to be so busy. But we all know when somebody's done it to us and been completely there and just given us their whole attention and time we've gone that was a nice moment that was that was nice just to get off my chest they showed how much they cared and we really appreciated it and we also know when we've done it for someone else how fulfilled we actually feel even though it's the other person who's probably spilt um spilt a lot that's on their chest um off that it's actually made us feel loads better because we've been able to be there for that person and we've made them feel like they can speak to us and it's a safe environment. And we're not there to offer advice. Sometimes people do want advice, but most of the time it's just be there to be uh, a set of years, maybe a shoulder to lean on when we don't have to two, uh, two meter distance from people. But it's just giving them that support that we all know at times we all need. And yeah. it's hard at times to tell people we need that support. So that's yeah. why I say to people like, if we can, the people around us, like check in every day. Don't wait till something's gone on to check in. Check in every day. And I, that might be a text. It might be a UK or if there's people in work, like you were speaking about, just seeing the difference in them every day, but just making mm. sure we're not only asking, are they all right when something's, when their back's against the wall and something's happened? Because it's hard then if somebody only asks you when things have gone wrong, it's hard then to open up and be honest because you're like, well, you didn't care when things were good last week or you didn't care <laughs> yeah. when this was going on or this was going on. And our, and our chimp inside us sort of defends ourselves, keeps ourselves yeah. safe. We don't want to admit our vulnerabilities. So I do say to people, if we can carry on the conversation and we're all there, we're not talking about mental health and physical health. We're, we're just talking about us as human beings. And exactly. it, we're not separating those it's those issues. If we get to that place, it'll be a lot easier to say when when uh, your back's against the wall and things are happening. It'll be a lot easier just to say, yeah, man, I'm struggling at the moment. Things are going on. And I know a couple of times in lockdown, uh, a couple of us would say, oh, my motivation's struggling at the moment. We got the like the, we got these hard pre-season plans that are trying to get us as fit as possible. So when we get back into rugby, we're, we're ready to go. 
yeah, and you're on your own doing it. Like it's hard, and then all of a sudden, somebody would say, whether it was me or somebody else, would say, "Oh man, I'm really struggled to get myself through that session today," or I'm even struggling to think about putting my kit on today. And then the boys like, "Mate, I'm me. My legs are in bits. Um, my motivation's not quite there today because." I knew how hard I went yesterday and I've already seen the session for today and I know how hard it is. <laughs> and it's just those little things when somebody else has said it, you almost get a little bit of energy because you go, oh, I'm glad it's not just me because yeah, I've been making making that story up in my head and I thought, oh, it's only me who feels like this. <laughs> so it's so important. Tom. I think that's brilliant Like what you said about making sure you check in with staff in school because yeah. obviously school education has been something that's been in the forefront of all the news uh, last couple of months how important it is but what you can actually do and how you have to make it adapt so i think like fantastic that uh, you're doing that and how is it uh, how is it going for you now it's been going well it, it was great to transition in the first term um then we had half term so the kids came back um the biggest thing for me was making sure they were happy and they felt good to be back in school you know as soon as i've got that everything else comes in, the learning comes in. But for me, their health and their well-being comes first because kids came in and I was warned they might be feeling a bit anxious, they might be feeling nervous, which is perfectly normal. And for me, I recognised that straight away. So it was just making sure they were happy. And then the learning came in. And for me, the biggest thing I noticed was they were happy and they enjoyed being in school. And then everything else kind of clicks into place. I mean, we had half term last week and you know, you kind of almost start again a little bit this week. But for me, they're still happy kids coming to school. But it's it's a hard job at the moment because you've got to do all these protocols, making sure they're safe, making sure we're safe. Um, and it's we've got to do a lot in less time, I find. So it's making sure we as like teachers, we as staff are all OK. I mean, I, I, I struggled this week. Um, you know, I got to last night and I spoke to someone because I was like, oh, I'm struggling a bit this week. It alludes to what you said. We burn out. We burn ourselves out. We're so busy making sure we're the best we can be, it, and it's great. And this person said back to me, and um, she said, "I actually read a quote the other day. Um, the fact that you care means you're doing a great job because you care for one, and that yeah. that's all I needed. And like like we like we're talking about speaking to someone really helped about about it. You know, it was it was just." Just being more reflective in, in what we're doing and, and saying, you know, it, it's okay to feel like that. Yeah, and it's sad to see, uh, Tom, that we, a lot of us probably don't even think about it, but for youngsters to have somebody who cares around them, for a lot of for a lot of youngsters, that's the only person around them that, that cares, yeah. and it's a sad, it's a sad, sad state of affairs, and probably. We all see our li- we all see life through our own eyes. So if we've had a good family around us, good friends around us who showed us a lot of love, maybe good teachers when we were in school, we just expect that that's standard for everybody. But really sad to see that that's not the case. And um, from the work that I do with Havel, which is the Welsh mental illness charity, yeah. like I've seen um, people, uh, youngsters. So like I'm a young person's ambassador there, and like seeing the young people who haven't got the support around them is like in a way ignorance is bliss like I've I've seen like my small bubble first of all before this and then actually opened my eyes to see what was going on and you really do think 
right, what impact can I make? Is there little things that you can turn up to or do like sign jerseys, sign shorts that's going to make these kids feel like supported and cared about? Because some of them haven't got anything. And so like that, so your friend saying to you that, that the fact that you care is like really important, that is the most important thing. That definitely is the most important thing. And I think for us individuals, we're always trying to make ourselves better. But I think at yeah. some points we're doing so much to try and make ourselves better and so many different things how can we rein that back in so we're really good at a couple of things and what's in our control because yeah. sometimes we go i want to be good at everything well you're not gonna be able to be good at everything like <laughs> that's why uh, that's why the saying goes jack of all trades master of none because you're not you're not really good at anything and there's probably certain things that whatever job or profession we're in that uh, we're good at and it's sometimes when our back's against the wall or we've got a lot going on, we've got to remember those things and the fact that it's not only best for us, but everybody around us. So we really concentrate on those things as well. Yeah. And you must have had that. I mean, you're a professional rugby player for the Ospreys. You must have had those stages in your career where you're giving 100% to everything. You're taking home almost the workload as well. And you can't switch off. You've surely had that. Yeah, mate, definitely. It's a job as a professional rugby player that you've wanted to do since you started playing rugby. Yeah. So, like, you care. You've you've committed nearly everything you possibly could to becoming the professional rugby player, and you have to carry on committing even more when you become a professional rugby player. Your family's invested in it. Your friends are invested in it. So, yeah, definitely, you take it home. And like, I'm a, I'm at a point at the moment where I haven't been selected for the first. I think we're four or five league games in. I haven't been selected for one game, and I know day in day out I'm going 100 percent to try and get into the team. And so, yeah, the frustrations here at what am I nine years into my professional career? The frustration doesn't go from not getting selected or things not going your way whether it's through injuries or whether you're worried about contracts what whatever the worries are like at the moment mind selection and like I'm going as hard as I can every day to try and get try and get back in the team because I want to be in the team and like that's hard yeah I take it home with me like yesterday they named they named the team for the weekend um I'm going home to my wife and saying oh, I'm not selected again a little bit down and then it's like of course, of course, it weighs on you. It's not, it's not, it's like a weird one with most professions that you've got to train as hard as you possibly can all week, but you might not be able to do your job on the weekend anyway. Like yeah. no other job has, has that, like no. you're doing your job day in, day out. Whereas our job is professional rugby player, not professional trainer. And at the moment it's, it's hard when you are just feel like a professional trainer. And that, like those, those things do weigh on you, whether you're a youngster or whether like you've been around for a couple more years like me. So yeah, that, those things are hard, but definitely have those times where you take work home with you and you find it hard to switch off. And I got home yesterday and, in fairness to my wife, she had uh, our twin daughters ready in the pram to go for a walk. Um, just had, just went for a walk. It was like her son was out. And she just said, like, let's, let's have a chat about everything else. And then start chatting about everything else. And you realise, like, how lucky you are that yeah. you are your job is a professional rugby player, but you're not just defined as a professional rugby player. And that's really important to, to me because uh, at some point I, I'm not going to be a professional rugby player anymore. So how am I defined as Lloyd Ashley, not Lloyd Ashley, a rugby player? That's it. It must be hard to detach yourself from that label sometimes. Yeah, and you're proud of the label. So yeah, like, of course. A, it's, it's like a, it's a, like a catch twenty two because you've always wanted to be. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to be like actually a professional rugby player, mm. but then I also know that 
as soon as it's gone and my contract's over and I'm into retirement that uh, I'll be forgotten about very quickly. The circle of rugby and business in that sense carries on. There'll be a new kid on the block who everyone's speaking about. Yeah. So yeah, I need to be I need to be prepared for that. And also, yeah, you do want to be Lloyd Ashley the dad, Lloyd Ashley the husband, Lloyd Ashley the the lecturer, Lloyd Ashley living well with Lloyd Ashley and doing a hopefully doing a good job there. So there's so many things that you hope that you can be. Um, but at times you do remember though that the most important thing at the moment is being a professional rugby player, another moment to not being selected. So it is uh, it is hard that it is a bit of a catch twenty two. You do want to be defined as it as in playing week in week out but you don't want to be defined as it. So you think that as people look at you that you're only a rugby player and that's all you've got going for you yeah and I find that really fascinating you know with all the other athletes I've spoken to and it comes to my own my own um you know like reflective practice of when I played rugby you know I didn't go to the level you did I was semi-professional the highest level I went to as well students and I, I felt that that sense of purpose that that was that was my purpose rugby was my purpose and then when I wasn't selected it was hard you'd take it home with you and I didn't know how to detach myself but kind of educating myself on that that really helped me you know but then I can't imagine you know like yourself you're a professional it's your job it's your hobby you've got to have so much mental resilience to be able to take those highs and lows all the time so you mentioned you go for walks with your wife you kind of speak about things the importance of that what else do you do to make sure your mental health is in a good place and it's not the the but possibly the not the selections aren't going your way what do you do to make sure you're in a good place the first thing is control your controllable so in training make sure you're as good as you possibly can be yeah you're making sure that everything around your rugby preparation is absolutely spot on so you're giving yourself every chance to play and that's that's the most important thing. But then when it comes to um, life outside of rugby, I always try and keep busy. I've always tried to keep busy. Like, first of all, when I become a professional rugby player, I went to become a qualified plumber. I went on to do, like, uh, leadership and management qualifications, so for ready for working in different businesses. So I went to do my ILM and then went to do an introduction to counselling course. And I've just finished off now doing my uh, student lecture, uh, doing my lecturing course. So Amazing. I can go and lecture in, uh, instead of doing my teaching course, to my lecturing qualification. So any postgraduate students, uh, post-compulsory students, sorry, I can, I can teach. So whether that's in the, I did my, I did my course and my hours in Bridgen College. Mm -hmm. So very fortunate to have uh, some fantastic opportunities there. Um, but whether that leads me into going to a different college, um, or whether hopefully now with opening my own uh, business, the opening Living Well with Lloyd Ashley, um, hopefully the, that turns into um, a successful business as well. And like I often say, people say to me, oh, like I, I know it's around mental health and like, why didn't you open it as a charity? Because I always wanted to be honest from the start. If I can make it a success and make it be sustainable for me to have a job there, and that be my full-time job and something I'm really passionate about. I, I want it to be that. So I never wanted to say to people, oh, it's a charity, and then I'm still taking a wage out of it because it, I almost felt like a fraud looking at it like that, even though obviously that's what charities have to do. They have to pay wages. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that, but it just felt like, from my point of view, that it, it is a business, the fact that I want to make it a success, and the fact that... I put my name on it. I know some people probably go, oh, ego, put your name on it. But then from me, it's like, no, 
I know what Lloyd Ashley is, me as a person represents. Yeah. So I want to know that business represents that every day. And that, that's important to me. So there's always two ways of looking at things and we um, have a different importance for uh, different things. But yeah, like, I, like we, I've gone off the question a little bit, but it's for me, it's just keeping busy, doing different things, but not being distracted from the fact that my, I signed a contract to be a professional rugby player. And that is the most important thing that I dedicate um, as much time as I possibly can to be the best professional rugby player. And that's through the goods, the good times and the bad times. And I've had <laughs> yeah. uh, plenty of both, to be fair. Yeah, I, I saw one of your posts that you did um, a few months back and you spoke about, like the th- I think it was the three pillars of well-being. Yeah, So did, uh, uh, Yeah, four pillars, yeah. Four pillars, that's the one. So yeah. um, for those who don't know, what, what is that? Yeah, so um, when I've uh, become when I was starting to do work, um, so I went like I said, I went through the introduction to counselling course and then signed up to be an ambassador for uh, Havel Welsh Mental Illness Charity. I started seeing that there was a lot of preparation for crisis when people go into crisis, okay. and um, so a lot of the time they talk about uh, in therapy having a crisis box ready. So if you ever go into crisis, you've got your like sort of home comforts yeah. ready for you to hopefully. Um, stop you going even spiraling even further i i started looking at it and i thought to myself well if that's something for crisis but um we talk about but how do we keep ourselves well what is the things that keep us well and i was like we've got a we've almost got a ready-made box for us all the time and to me like obviously a box has four corners um so i was always looking at four pillars of support and i, I started looking and i thought if you've got four pillars of support hopefully they each pillar will keep you keep you inside so to me uh my wife and my family if, yeah. if i ever look at the four pillars my wife and my family are the top left um top right and my friends not from from rugby and outside of rugby bottom left is my dog who whenever whenever I've argued with any of the top two, I know <laughs> she listened to me when I when I go for a walk and uh, tell her all my problems. And the bottom right for me is like physical activity. And obviously, I'm very fortunate that it's my job at the moment, physical activity. But mm. even when I'm not here, I find it so important to be out and be active. And that doesn't always mean beasting yourself and doing the hardest session you possibly can. Yeah. Like I've seen some of your sessions the last couple of weeks. I'm thinking I don't fancy those, <laughs> and I've seen those on Instagram, but it's just sometimes going out and like i've seen you put yeah. photos of the lake up and stuff just yeah. going somewhere being physically active clear your head and having some fresh air so yeah they're my four pillars um i do say to a lot of people like the podcasts that i listen to keep keep floating in between because they connect sometimes to family sometimes to sport um i even listened to ones when i had the dog for puppy training didn't work but i did listen <laughs> to them so yeah they connect to all those and they're sort of in the middle and i always think that it's important to have four pillars because we lose we will lose one of those at like some point so yeah. sadly people lose animals sadly like with lockdown and stuff we like lost a lot for me lost i lost my job so lost the bottom right corner or when i retire i'm going to lose that bottom right corner and it just means that i already know that i'm going to lean on those other things more and to be fair you look at a triangle it's a pretty uh it's a pretty solid structure so yeah. even when we go from even when we go from our four pillars and we've still got a triangle and we can connect up all three of those things is still a pretty steady uh, uh, object so I just think it's important sometimes to have a visual and look it down and like I do a lot of talks on this and I 
I know a lot of people do PowerPoint, go PowerPoint crazy for a lot of statistics up. But I like to put things back on other people and say, right, let's put our four, put your four dots in the middle of a page and you connect them up and what's important to you. And some people won't have the same as me. And some people will be like, oh, that doesn't feel really supportive. Like when I say when I say to somebody who might not have a dog or somebody who might not never had pets in the pets in the family and say, and I say, oh, my dog's one of my one of my supports of well-being. I'm thinking your dog gonna come up to the top of your shin and you're that's your one of your <laughs> well-being support but to me it means something is purposeful and she drags me out even when it's uh cold and rainy and I always feel better for it so and then obviously I've been I'm very fortunate to have family and loved ones around me very lucky to have a wife and now uh beautiful twin girls in the house so yeah I'm very lucky to have that and sometimes at times when I speak about it I feel almost like guilty if people haven't got that and but we shouldn't feel guilty for what we've got. Right. But what we should have is empathy for people who haven't got that mm-hmm. and be able to put support systems in place for them. Yeah. Because it's so important that we do have that support and that structure around us. And everybody's structure, like I say, that those four pillars is something that's worked for me. And every time I speak to her about people, everyone's like, Wow, I haven't thought about it like that. And like I'd be really interested, Tom, I'm sure when after we've done on the podcast, I'm hoping that you put those four pillars down and you send me a picture over the next couple of weeks what, Definitely. what those four pillars are to you because sometimes it's important for us to sit back and reflect on that yeah. because I knew as soon as I went into lockdown, right, rugby's been taken away. I need to rely on the other things more. And then the first couple of weeks when I was talking about my motivation weren't that high, so my physical act- activity levels weren't as high as normal. But then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I'm missing that. Let's bring that back in even more. And I was doing walks and I was doing some physical activity, but not as much as normal. But then I thought, rejig my head a bit, spoke, I'd spoke to the other parts of the, uh, of my well-being structure and then got back to it and was like, love doing it. And I'm in training every day now and I love doing it because I know it's a big part of my well-being. So I just think it's important that uh, we do reflect. And I know Wales is coming out of our lockdown uh, by the time this podcast is out but we do have a little bit more time at the moment because we're not able to go out and do some of the activities that we would normally do so hopefully the people listening to the podcast will just have a sit back either when they're listening to it whether they listen to the house or please don't sit back if you're listening to it in the car maybe <laughs> do it another time but um, just sit back when you have a chance and just think what's your well-being structure what if you could have a toolkit that you could take everywhere with you what would it be? And that's, I think that's the most important thing is knowing because when things do go wrong and sad, sad as it is, it might be a small thing that goes wrong. It might even just be a change or somebody else makes a decision. Maybe a friend decides to move or go, but you understand then, oh, I've lost a bit of that top right down corner of my, my well-being structure. How can I rely on the others a little bit more until I almost fill that a little bit more again? So it's just I do think there's power in knowing at times as well. I love that. I love that. I, I find it so empowering because when I saw that post, it really hit a chord with me because I remember the start of lockdown. Suddenly I'm working from home and I'm not seeing any friends. I'm not doing these things that would usually almost I'm going to say the word distract me from different things going on in my life because I was working so hard at that time that I wasn't really sitting back and thinking, well, am I having a good day? Am I having a bad day? And things happen, don't they? No work, you're not seeing your friends, few other things going on in your personal life, and it brings you down. And I realized I didn't have, I didn't put those four pillars in place. If I was having a bad day, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd just go and look for things to possibly distract me. And then 
from talking to you, um, you know, previously and looking at your posts, I then put those things into place. So I know now if I have a bad day, I know I've got those other things that are going to put me in place. And I know, yeah, I'll have a bad day. But at the end of the day, you speak to me, you probably wouldn't know I'm having a bad day because I know I'm going to be okay. I've got these things that I like doing and I've got these practices that I do, which are always going to help me. And it could be exercise is a massive one for me. I think it's just so good for my mental and physical well-being. I love going for a walk. I mean, I've had a hectic week now. On a Friday afternoon, I usually have that time away from work where you go and plan. And I just kind of halted for a moment. I just went to Roth Park, which is around the corner from where I live in Cardiff. And I just took half an hour, just sat there with a coffee and just just kind of just breathe, come back down and think, you know, it's a good week. It wasn't a bad week. Everything's okay. You know, you've done your bit, but then, you know, it brings you back. It centers you almost, I find. Yeah, it brings you present to the moment because yeah. we're distracted by something that's either happened or something that's going to come. We yeah. hardly ever live in that one moment we're in. Yeah. And I think that's why sometimes it's nice to have uh, earphones in, um, a phone, a laptop in front of you like we're doing now and just be yeah. completely present in the conversation you're in. And like, like it might just be you on your own where you just go um, and just think, like you, you said, have a coffee. Like for me, it's take the dog out. And I just just walk and just gather my thoughts, not about what's going to go on. What, what Normally, what's, just check off what's been going on, then check off what's going on, and then just come back to, ah, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Everything's going really well. I'm enjoying. I probably know I've got a night shift coming with the girls, but that, like, <laughs> just getting that the focus where you're back and you're like, how lucky am I to, to be able yeah. to have the night shift with them? Because at times we get carried away and we think we've got so much going on where we get a bit stressed and we get a bit carried away. And we're always going to have stress. And it's important for us to have stress because it gets us motivated as well. Definitely. But how do we bring it back in that we're able to take some deep breaths and like I know you've spoke about um, the the breathing part of it and like mm. it's so important that we can change those chemicals in our head and start getting the endorphins the dopamine hits going so the yeah. fact that we get those happy hormones and the happy chemicals in our head going that they make us smile they make us they make us be happy about being present and it is hard at times to to be like that because we do know there's so much going on and if we took a look at what we had, what's just happened or what's coming, you would be like, wow, that's a tidal yeah. wave. And then, but how do we stop the tidal wave? Or somebody said to me the other day, how do we surf the wave for a while and enjoy being on it as well? And I think that is just bringing it back in, being present. And mm. I've absolutely loved doing my uh, Living Well with Lloyd Ashley Instagram page. Like when I set up the, the business, the plan wasn't at all to set up a um instagram page it was to have um, a schools program that i've got a healthy living schools program that um, goes into primary schools it was to have um a resilience program for uh resilience for rugby that i've got going on in uh all the welsh all the welsh rugby academies and it was also to have um, to become a qualified instructor, to be able to go and do first aid for mental health, mental yeah. health awareness courses in businesses, companies, um, any other organisations, sports clubs. It was that was the plan, and then um, the lockdowns uh, was sort of starting to have uh, whispers about it that we might go into a bit of a lockdown and the worries that was coming. And um, somebody said to me, "Oh, why don't you? Why don't you do an Instagram page for your business?" 
And then I started doing it and then you start having, like I know you've posted some of yours, like your private messages that you have off people. Mm. You have the little conversations that are going on under your posts and you see how much it means to people. You see people sharing what, what, like, what you've put out and you think, wow, I thought this was needed, but I didn't realize quite how much it yeah. was needed. Yeah. And those things are, and like me and you have spoken about before, we speak about if it affects one person one person positively, we've done a very good job. But mm. when you see like actually how many people it does affect and the fact that the work, at times it does feel like work, you know, when you're stressed and you still got to edit a podcast. Or for me, if um, I've had a really busy time rugby-wise and things might not be going away my way, and then I've still got to... Uh, get some content out that I want to get out and I know is going to support people but at times that's still hard you, yeah. you've got to put time aside from like your family even though you've been in training like I've been in training all day got to put time aside say oh no I need half hour or an hour to do this but then you put it out there and you have um you might not have a message back then you might have a message back in a month's time and someone yeah. says to you exactly. that hit home completely to me or thank you for that this is just really helping me speak about my stuff or i just love the positivity around mental health because like i've looked at probably a lot of things differently to a lot of people have with the mental health side of things as in getting sports people to speak about why they thought it was important to speak about mental health and why they're now speaking about their mental health and they're probably people who from afar nobody would ever think that they'd ever mention even mental health so I think that uh, that's been hugely positive and hugely rewarding and we talk about being connected and giving to others those things help us as well and they do motivate us so it's so important that we can do that yeah um something my mum always told me is that always treat people the way you want to be treated and for a while when I had um I was going through a spell which I, I really suffered with anxiety um it was I think it was just from burning myself out you know it could have been with rugby it could have been with with uh, university at the time and I was just going 100 miles an hour and I was very very naive because I thought now hard work hard work hard work I'd never switch off and then I kind of got to that point and thought, you know what, there's no one around that really kind of knows what I'm talking about, or I don't think anyone knows what I'm talking about. And it's one of the reasons I kind of set up this channel is that elite athletes like yourself and people who have done these amazing things, we all experience it, we all feel it, and it's okay to normalize it and talk about it. Isn't that right? We're all like, so we're all very, very, very similar. So, but we all look at each other so differently, whether it's through yeah. uh, visual aspects, physical aspects, the job, where you live, uh, what, you, what car you drive, how your Instagram looks, how your Twitter looks. We look at people like, because we make those yeah. momentary judgments and we don't Comparison. give, yeah, and we don't give people time to speak. And mm -hmm. there's so much of the time people will say, oh, I didn't think you would do that. And like we'd gone earlier talking about that professional rugby uh, player badge sort of thing that goes with it. And then mm -hmm. people are like, oh, you do other things. You do other <laughs> things as well. And then it's like, yeah, and you, we do we do constantly um, stereotype or yeah. uh, categorize people in a box. And in a way, we, do, we have to do it from a safety point of view. Okay. If we didn't make judgment on people, like yeah. we we have to do it and otherwise there'd be no discipline there'd be nothing nothing going on in the world so it is important that we do it but how do we do it positively and give people time so and remember that it's so hard when things are backs against the wall to remember that 
people do want to be there to listen to us and speak to yeah. us. Like you were saying about the time struggling with uh, anxiety, but yeah. it's not until you open your eyes and you see how much of it's going on and mm. how important that it is that we speak about those things. And that is why from a, a rugby point of view, like I know rugby players are not immune to mental health problems, the statistics that go around. Like there is, we are same human beings like we've just spoke about just luckily doing a very good job that we love but we also need to make sure that the the youngsters who are going to be the next crop of professionals are equipped emotionally resiliently um their emotional intelligence their their emotional flexibility is a lot stronger than we have been moving through the last couple of years because we have more understanding more knowledge about it and also, we are breaking down the stigma that we are allowed to speak about it, even though on the rugby field you can't admit to any physical injuries. We are allowed to say, we are allowed to say on a Monday, Tuesday. Actually, now we are struggling. Things are, things are getting on top of us a little bit, and do something about that. And that's hopefully with uh, with the role I've got with the WRPA is uh, lead for mental health and well-being. Hopefully, that's uh, part of the job and the process that we're able to break down and educate people. Just even slightly more than we are at the moment that around the, around mental health signs symptoms what we can do how we can how we can stop that how we can act signs in not only ourselves our friends families what we can do if a worst case scenario we need to signpost just that education so that when somebody says to us i'm struggling with this in the past we're like oh come on and get home and let's cheer up you'll be all right <laughs> yeah. uh, hopefully we're able to say oh mate do you want to go for a coffee do you want to let's have a sit down let's have a chat about this properly yeah um let's talk about this asking those open-ended questions that we were speaking about earlier like how are you feeling like you've said this is going on but how is it making you feel mm. um and i do feel that we have turned a corner in rugby and in professional sport as a general are we we've turned a corner are we anywhere near where we want to be no we're being uh very I always say this to people, we're being very proactive in a reactive stage. We're doing a hell of a lot of work now and there's so much going on, so much good going on from the Welsh Rugby Players Association and all the, the PDMs, like I was saying earlier about Tim Jones, who's uh, the Ospreys PDM, he's fantastic, doing so much to give people a safe place to speak. The WRPA are doing so much. The, the WIU have got a clinical psychologist on board, so if things do get even further and do need professional help, um, the, the Welsh Rugby Players have got that um, service available to them. So there is so much going on. And like, uh, like I mentioned, the resilience rugby program that we're trying to put through the academies, but we, no way can we say that we've got everything under wraps and there's not people going to fall through the system. We still haven't broke completely broke the stigma down. Um, we haven't got past that and started and got enough education and understanding around it yet. Uh, but hopefully we're making some huge strides forward and that's the most important thing. And if we can pick up, a lot more people than we're going through the net before, and I'm not going to say if we if we affect one person in this uh, instance we don't enough because there's nowhere near enough. We need to <laughs> yeah. we need to be um, mopping up 96, 97 percent and aiming for 100 percent. Obviously, that's obviously the aim, but we can't be happy with just changing and so put in support in place for one person. But hopefully, the when we educate one person, hopefully they're able to educate one more person and. 
if we can pass that on around that we're going to put better professional players out on the out on the rugby field we're going to put better professional players back into their communities back to wherever they go and whether that's an academy player who hasn't quite made it whether that's your top international going somewhere hopefully we put better human beings come out to the other end of rugby whenever they come out um, more supportive and better equipped emotionally um, then they come in and that's that's got to be our aim and that is where, what we're working to I'm not saying we've got we've got a golden egg and we're able just to say this is how we're going to do it and it's going to work fantastically for everybody because we've got a, there's going to be some trial and error there's going to be some things that we don't get right but the thing we wasn't doing before was trying we wasn't we didn't have these things in place so the more we're doing I'm not saying we're just trying random things and hoping they're going to work but we're obviously trying things that are researched worked at looked at checked over like luckily like I said I got the clinical psychologist at the WIU to check the programs into and I've got a sports psychologist at the Ospreys uh, Steve Steve Mel who is like um, a leader in sports psychology around the world um, from Cardiff Met I'm able to speak to him and check off the the programs we're doing do you think they're hitting the right the the right spot so yeah there's so much that we've got going on that um is really important but like i said we are we are getting somewhere and yeah. it will take years to to get to where we want to and when we start moving forward we're going to push that boat out even further we're going to yeah. want to do even more we're going to want to do more because we're motivated to put support in place for everybody and the support I might put in place for you, Tom, would be completely different maybe to the support I might want. Mm. So how do we have a, a flexible and adaptable plan yeah. that supports everybody's learning, support system, structure? And that, that's the most important thing. And at the moment, we probably don't know how that looks for everybody. And we're probably trying to get the one that suits most people. But hopefully moving forward, we have more options in place that we're able to say, now he's not going to like that, but he, this will make him feel supported. Or we can't, we can't do that for this person because they, they won't want that. But maybe they, maybe they want this support. And there's lots of different things. That's why if you have a look at any charity, they've got an email address, a number and a tech service. Because the people want to communicate in different ways. People yeah. want different levels of support. So it's so important that we get those things in place. And like I said, we're not there yet, but hopefully with the work of um, the stuff I'm doing with, the live, uh, with my Living Well page, uh, the stuff that we're doing with the WRPA and then bouncing back with the elite support that we've got from the clinical psychologist and the top level sports psychologist, that we're able to get a package in place to support as many players as possible. I love that. I love that. The the fact that you're saying what something for me um, would be different to you, because that's it, isn't it? Everyone is very different. We aren't the same people. And I think we do get a little bit drawn into that. Like you mentioned earlier with that, we're always kind of maybe looking on our phone and we're comparing ourselves to other people thinking we're all going through the same problems and we're not. It's very, very different. Shoe doesn't fit all. We are our own people and it's and it's it's okay to think like that and feel like that. I think that's really important. And it must be hard for you, and it must be hard for being a professional rugby player in Wales, especially, because the spotlight's on you even more because it's the it's the national sport. You know, people love rugby. And if you take a loss or someone's injured or and fans want to vent at something, they've kind of they've they do it straight at you. They do it at the team. Like, how do you cope with that? 
Yeah, one of the things we speak about in the resilience program is um, social media. Yeah. Wow, social media can be a, a hard, harsh <laughs> place. And like, I'm not, that's not just a professional athlete, uh, that's uh, anybody. But obviously, the microscope, like you said, is even more on uh, professional sports. And I think the more uh, people pay for a ticket, the more they think they can voice their, uh, voice their opinions. And like, early on in my career, I had some certain things said on social media. I, I hadn't seen them. And by the time my wife had seen them, she would be searching my name to see what see what it got said. Obviously, looking for positive stuff, not the negative stuff. <laughs> yeah. But then the negative stuff would jump up, and I remember just having I've had I've had worse than this, but this is one that um, that I use quite often. Uh, there was a tweet uh, we had beat uh, Clement uh, at home, huge win for yeah, us, massive um, a home in the European uh, European competition, and. Um, Somebody had said, "Oh, Lloyd Ashley aside, Osprey's got a fantastic team," and like single me out for that. Another time, I actually had a pretty decent game, which was yeah. which was probably a really positive thing for me because um, at least I wasn't in a negative spot myself. Um, yeah. knew knew I had done what I had, but then you're thinking, right? If I played that well, I still can't please people. I'm, I'm exactly. really struggling here. <laughs> but it's not just you who gets affected by that; it's your family, yeah. it's your friends. They're like. They see what you invest in being a professional rugby player day in, day out, every evening when you're saying, no, I can't eat that, or on the weekends when other friends of yours are going out and you're saying, I'm really, like to my wife, I'm saying, I'm really sorry, we can't because I've got a game here, and oh, I've got a game the next day and I can't be tired going to that. So, like, there's so many sacrifices you make all the time, and they're well worth the sacrifice. I'm not saying yeah. for one minute that I'm complaining about them, but... Um, when you look at it from that point of view and then you see these tweets come from people and most of those people haven't got a photo to their name or yeah, got a photo course. of an egg or a dog <laughs> or something and you're saying, you're thinking, that is really, really brave here. Well done. But they yeah. don't know how much effect that's going to have to somebody on the side. Exactly. And I guarantee you, those are the people as well who stood in the car park getting everybody's signature on the way out of the game. 100%. And, they, and they, wouldn't, they wouldn't say to you that, Wow, you were crap today, were you? But all Definitely of a sudden, we're on, we're on the phone and you can't see the person picking up the tweet or the message the other side and we're able to say what we want. And it's really sad. We've obviously all seen the, the Be Kind campaign last year that uh, with yeah. Caroline Flack and people have got to realise that there's human beings picking up these messages the other side. And like, yeah, I went from probably being really light about it then and being to something that was really tragic and very dark for us all when we seen it. But for me, probably my coping mechanism is to smile and have a giggle about it and probably think that that person probably dreams of doing what I do as a job yeah. day in, day out and probably hasn't... Maybe had opportunity. Maybe had opportunities. I don't. I don't even know the person. They might have had opportunities and haven't taken them and haven't dedicated themselves or sacrificed. Made the sacrifices the same as I have, and they genuinely haven't got a clue about me as a as a human being. And clearly, from the the message, they don't care who I am as a human being. They just mm. want to show what they can do. And it's probably a lot of time for some favorites and some likes. Like yeah. they they might have a favorite of somebody else, and they're like, "Oh, it was funny when I was good." But they haven't thought about, well, how, they, how would I feel if I picked that up? If I had gone really hard in work all week, tried my hardest, and then on a Friday afternoon, my boss came in to me and goes, wow, we got a great company apart from you, haven't we? And then they're like, yeah, uh, we, I've done everything to be, it, yeah. yeah, I thought I thought I'd done really well. But you, you can't, that's why we've got to educate young people to mm. realise that the other side 
Um, the other side has come in, and it's funny because I say we need to educate young people. These ain't young people doing it a lot of the time. <laughs> like there might be middle-aged men, middle-aged yeah. women sending these messages. I'm not. I'm not stereotyping. What I am saying is, if we can teach the youngsters the fact that this could happen, and we're more aware of it, hopefully they can deal with it a bit better rather than uh, it really affecting them and them going into maybe spiraling into a dark hole because that's definitely not what we want from people. And I say to players that their first de- their debut and they might make a couple of mistakes, but they might do a lot of good things and you might have 500 positive tweets sent to you, but you might have two really negative ones. And I guarantee you it's the two negative ones you remember. So yeah. let's, how, how do we react to that? How do we put our phones down, have a couple of deep breaths and think to ourselves, right, that doesn't matter. He's not my coach. He's not my, he's not my friend. He's not this. And I, I'm saying he now, she, it could be anybody who sends it, sends it to you. Um, they are not, they are not the person who lives my life. So how can I actually just keep, keep in control of what I'm in control of? Yeah. Cause that's the most important thing. Affect the people that mean something to me or mean something to my job. And if they, if those people around you are happy, like you should be happy because don't be deterred by so much going on. And there is so much noise from social media that is, at times it is hard not to get uh, caught up in it. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying just because I'm speaking about it now that professional athletes have got a hold on it. Like I've still seen some things like I have a friend send me certain messages that they've seen online about me and send it to me like later on in my career. And I thought, yeah, it's not nice. Right? That's hard. Um, yeah. That's hard. So um that's like for me it's really important that we do speak about it and we understand that um your mindset on that day will change hugely as well how you take that like if i'm in a really positive mood i'm probably quite bulletproof probably send people could send some really harsh tweets and i like and i or messages on whatever social platform it is or comment whatever and i'd probably be like oh yeah okay cool good one nice one i was uh glad you spent the time or wasted your time doing that <laughs> yeah. um then other times it could be in a bad mood could be in a real bad place maybe like i'm talking about now not being selected for the last couple of weeks probably if somebody sent me one now saying i told you i tweeted this three years ago that lloyd ashley shouldn't have been ever in the team anyway and that's why he's not now. Like if somebody tweeted me that when I like when mm. I'm not being selected, uh, it's probably going to hit me a lot harder. So it's important that we uh, make people aware that this could come at any point. This 24/7 social media is, um, yeah, and is. we know a lot of us scroll and unnecessarily. And at times we might find a gem once in a while, but most of the time it's unnecessarily uh, we do it. But just be aware that they could come. Like, Tom, you could put loads of effort into doing a podcast. You could have the conversation mm. that you really wanted and there could be someone who goes, what is this guy speaking about? What a waste of time. Like, yeah. I cannot believe I've downloaded that. And, like, they don't need to share their opinions. Where a lot of people feel like that on social media that they can and that yeah. it's important and they're, they're, their message is way more important than everyone else's. And, at times, we're all going to have that message that we think is more important than, than put it out. Uh, but just hopefully it doesn't affect people on the other side. Or if we do affect a person on the other side, we know there's a human being there. And it's something that we would say if we could physically see them, as well as if, we, if we're if we just over their uh, social media to them. And that's something that's quite important to me as well. That would you Would you say that if you were face-to-face with that person? Yeah. And if you can answer honestly... Yes, I would. 
I do have a lot more respect for something somebody said because I do think they're entitled to their opinion. I might not still agree with their opinion. <laughs> and I'm not saying that all these things that somebody said to my face that I'd agree with, but I might have a lot more respect to say, yeah, fair enough. You, yeah, you backed up what you said. You, it meant something to you. So you're willing to say it. You haven't just sent it out just to try and get a dig at somebody and just left it. Yeah. Is, is that the hardest thing, do you think, about being a professional rugby player? No, no, no. I think probably uh, quite far down. I think the hardest things, the biggest risk factors are you have to get selected week in, week out. And that's where you actually really care about what people say. Um, getting injured, it's really hard. You yeah. don't know. Like a lot of the time when you're having ligament injuries and things, you don't know if you'll ever come back from it or how much it'll affect you when you do come back. Mm. Um, it's a short-term contracts. Like an average career in rugby is is seven years, and wow. you probably you tend to have a two maximal three year contract. So um, that's that like that. Obviously, that's really hard having short term contracts. It doesn't just affect you; it affects your families. You're planning for the future, uh, what you're going to do after life after rugby, and so those are the biggest risk factors in rugby. Um, for me and for when you do the studies, when you look into people, what their what their main concerns about, but definitely social media is part of uh, the risk factors that the higher your profile, the more people feel that they can speak about you. And mm. they, and like I said earlier, 90, I would say 99% of people who follow you want uh, following you because they want to be positive to you because yeah. they like what they see about you. They're happy to see you, whether it's in an Osprey shirt, whether it's in a, a football shirt, whether it's in your national jersey, whether it's in a British Lions jersey. 99% of those people probably follow you because they want. But it's probably that one person who's a little bit jealous, might not have felt like they had the opportunities or they, they're the people who sit in the pub and go, I could have made it to be that <laughs> professor over there. And yeah. thinking, well, you, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say you couldn't have, but for some reason you didn't either dedicate yourself enough, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. I can't say what you didn't do, but for a reason, we are the ones who are doing that job. I'm yeah. very fortunate to do that job, but it does come with a bit of a territory of that 1% that uh, it might be whatever it is, whether it's a bit of jealousy or whether sometimes... We're gonna say at times some people do feel like they're maybe just nasty, like, and yeah. that's how they that's how they get their little hits. That's how they get their chemical hits. They make themselves feel better by putting somebody else down, and it's sad that that's the case. But as well, I almost think to myself, if that is the way they got to do, it, I'm I'm more than happy. I'd rather them take it out on me rather than some young eighteen year old kid who's coming through yeah. the academy and giving everything they can day in day out to be. A professional rugby player and they don't want to make the mistakes that people normally commenting on or if they're commenting on selection i always think to myself well they comment at the player but the pl all the players then is trying to do everything they can to be selected like yeah. it's not their decision <laughs> who selected them so you can't have a go or a player for he didn't pick the team he's just done everything he could possibly to be in the team yeah and it goes back to what we were saying those people who are messaging those negative comments they're not educated so it could be people who who are frustrated because they never made it and it might be that they didn't know what it really took it could be an injury it could be really unlucky and they've turned kind of negative in their mindset and that's it they're not educated and they don't see you 
missing nights out. They don't see you not being able to eat the meals you want to do or you getting up at five in the morning to go to training. They don't see that, do they? They just see you in a shirt on a Saturday or something on Instagram. They think, oh, he's got the best life in the world. And in fact, it's a highlight reel. That's all it is. Yeah, and, it, and it's hard as well because I also don't know what's going on for them either. So exactly. Yeah. I'm almost. I I never want to judge from whatever. But somebody said I'm a, I'm at that place now where I'm able just to put like back away from it and just smile and think. Uh, nice of them to take the time to message me. Whatever it was about, um, and then just saying like I don't know what they've got going on. Like they could have so much going on that that's given them that that only bit of light they've had in that day is being able to comment on that and making a couple of their friends laugh like i yeah. i don't want to be the person who goes back and tries to shoot them down to try and get my ego on top of theirs again i'm not winning from anything from that i'm just being um like to be as harsh as i'm just being a bit of a dick if i if i just yeah. go back and do that and i don't like i don't need to do that i just need to work hard every day to be like we spoke about earlier be the best version of us and whether that's as a as a rugby player as a lecturer as as owner of my own company or as a father whatever as a friend whatever those things are I just want to be the best I can of those things every day and obviously it is in certain days that we're not and uh, <laughs> uh, whatever whatever that role is I'm sure my wife uh, has got the days written down where I haven't been the I haven't been the best or she doesn't even have to write them down she's carved them into her memory just to bring them back up to me but there's um there's so many things that if we concentrate on and I always go back to like I was speaking to you earlier about the controllables and yeah. I think that's why Tom really something really important that stuck to me through all the mental health stuff is the NHS five ways to well-being mm-hmm. and like they're so simple but keeping yourself to it so being connected learning new things uh giving to others being active and being present like those five things, if you can always go back to those, have I done that today? Like if I'm feeling a little bit down, have I done those things? What, what have I missed out today? Or what have I, what have I missed out yesterday? Why I've already woke up this morning not feeling in such a good mood. Yeah. And that, that is so important that we always have something to go back to. And like I spoke to that, obviously we spoke about the four pillars things earlier, something I always go back to and something I always look back on is uh, NHS five ways to wellbeing because it's the most simple thing, but yeah. it's something that I'm always accountable for if I'm not feeling too good. And some days we are going to have bad days. I'm not saying that every day I wake up with demons smile on my face. I'm generally quite a, like a very positive person. And like I said earlier, it's for good reasons, the, what I have got around me yeah. and what I've been fortunate enough always to have around me. But at times, like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't good, sir. Like, this is a, this is going to be a tough day. And <laughs> it's, right, how, how can I then still get through that day and then uh, make the most of it? And at times it is that you just want to get back to the house at the end of the day and go uh, get into bed or for me now go home and see the girls and there's times I'm in the house and I'm frustrated with the girls because they won't sleep or whatever and that's <laughs> the reason that uh, I'm not in such a productive or a uh, good space but for whatever that reason you as long as you can try and make sure that you know that there is a way out of this and yeah. it's probably my big thing at the moment um, obviously the huge saying around mental health is it's, it's okay not to be okay and yeah, it is okay not to be okay. We're always going to have bad days. But how long do we let it be okay not to be okay? Exactly. And I don't think we've educated people enough at the moment to realize that 
it's fine saying it's okay not to be okay, but at some point we need to do something about it. And whether that seeks specialist support, whether it's start the conversation, whether it's start to being physically active again, whether it's uh, connecting again to our friends and our family, or whether it's doing something new, whether it might, might be a job change or it might be take up a new course, whatever those things are, for you, like it's important that we can do those things. Yeah. And I always just, I think it's always important that we remember that it is okay not to be okay because we will have bad days, but we can't let that um, carry on going and let that spiral. And I think we're in a problem. We're in a situation at the moment that we have let that be a problem. We haven't given people enough safe spaces, enough education around this, that we just let it go that when we've had a bad day, it goes to two bad days, it goes to three bad days, and it just spirals from there. So hopefully with the platform you've got, the platform I've got, different work we've got going on, we educate people that there's ways through that as well. And, and it leads back to just what you just mentioned there. It's, it's understanding what people have got going on. Lead with a fresh perspective. You never know what they're going through. You never know what struggles that this happening. Don't judge, don't judge them for what you think is on the outside, you know, be understanding, take the time to understand their perspectives and just be, you know, lead with empathy with people because like we both said, you don't know what's going on. You know? Perspectives, huge, mate. Like we're never going to know what's, what's going on for anybody else. And yeah. a perspective for our own lives as well, that where we are, um, because like we said, it's easy to scroll, have a look at other people's lives, listen to other people's stories and think, wow, they've, done this they've got it all yeah. i haven't even done this so i haven't done that or yeah. i haven't got that going on and they've got this to look forward to but it's our bit of perspective for what actually is really important to you and what you have got around you and like you said that perspective of other people is that you don't know what's going on for them so they might have acted out to you and you might have been the the brunt or something but it's probably for a reason uh much deeper underlying than the actual front that they've uh, put up to you yeah no, I completely agree. And I always finish uh, the chat with this last question. So, um, you know, all the lessons you've been through being a professional rugby player, obviously your business now living well with Lloyd Ashley. Um, what is one bit of advice that you would give to someone? And because this topic, this topic is, you know, focusing mainly on mental health, we'll focus it on that. So what would your one piece of advice be to someone who's perhaps struggling? It's funny, like, yeah, I've read loads of books, I've done loads of research, I've done so many different things for around, yeah. around mental health to try and educate myself and understand. But there was one bit of advice that I had off a teammate that's, uh, that, that's a friend of yours as well. But it's strange, I had it off him and another, another mate. So Ben John uh, said it to me and yeah. another ex-teammate of mine called Will Taylor, who's, got a, who's also in the gym industry in uh, London as well, um, said to me before when they were just starting up in those industries, said, oh, once you get over yourself, you'll be okay. And I was like, sort of thought to myself, what do they mean by that? And then it wasn't until a couple of months later, I started, uh, I was start, starting up uh, Living Well with Lloyd Ashley. And I remember going just going to send out the introduction video, introducing what I was doing. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm going to get ripped into for this. People are going <laughs> to rinse me. Everyone's going to laugh. It's really cheesy. And then, I, and then I remember that quote and both of them saying it to me. Once you get over yourself, you'll be okay. And it was just saying, once you get over your own ego and you realize what's most important to you and what the things are that, that mean something to you, yeah. you will do, you will make the right decisions. And I looked at that at that point and I, I put it out and I thought to myself, 
I don't care what comes back now. Hopefully people like it and hopefully people say, mate, that's like, I really like what you're doing, really looking forward to see what that grows into. But even if people come back and say like, what are you doing? At least <laughs> I could go back and say, look, it's something, it might not mean anything to you, but it's really important to me. I've seen this, I've seen that, and that's why it's important to me. But I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put myself out there because it's important. But I don't really care what comes back. And obviously, on the other side of that, your, um, your ego gets massaged because um, people are going, oh, yeah, that's, that's really good. And your ego is getting boosted up again. Yeah. But you're not, as long as you're not scared to, as long as something's important to you and you've thought about it and you've put time into it, once you get over yourself, um, everything will be okay and it'll go and it'll go well. So that was, that was my best bit of advice. And I say that to anybody. Think what's really important to you. Make those steps. Do those things that are important to you. And whatever comes back, positive or negative, at least you can always reflect and think, no, I made that decision at the best of interest for mm. myself and others around me. So that's the best bit of advice for me. I love that. I absolutely love that. And it's something I think I am... Um... I've started to do when I first did this Instagram page, I dedicated it just to the podcast. And then I realized the more meaningful conversations are the conversations where I talk more about myself. And then that's the ego say, well, no, don't, don't talk about that. You know, what will people say? What will people say? Don't do that post because I try and do honest posts. You know, if we've had a bad week, talk a little bit about it, normalize that. And I wrote, and I wrote a post the other day and I was like, oh, child, I don't know if I want to put this out there. You know, it's like, it's a bit personal, you know, it's like I've had a bad week, you know, people only on it for positivity and you think, well, no. And it loses to what you just said. If it lines up with your values, one, you want people to feel that they can relate. Two, you're doing, you're coming from a place of kindness. And three, you're doing it from a place of positivity to help people. And you go, well, no, that's lined up with all of them. Let's get it out there. And luckily, it was really well received. And it, it aligns with what you said with your post. Once you get over yourself, then good things start happening. So, so important. And like I've just linked up with Lou Seds that got a big campaign of Tackle the Stigma. And yeah. like they exactly the same. And they've managed to get people to put themselves out there and be vulnerable in that space, but had had such an incredible response back. So, so important that people can do it. And it's so hard to do it the first time. It probably gets a little bit easier, like you doing it now with the Instagram page, like the doing the podcast the first time probably broke the first barrier. Definitely. And you've continued to make more and more barriers to make it a little bit easier to put those things out there. But yeah. it is hard to break that first barrier. But if you could always look back and think to yourself, no, nah, I did that for the right reasons, whether it was for you, your family, your loved ones, friends, work, whatever the reason and the meaning behind it, as long as it meant something to you, it was the right thing to do. And don't, yeah. don't worry too much about what comes back. Yeah, exactly. Just be honest with yourself, be honest with people and know why you're doing it. But anyway, Lloyd, yeah. I just want to finish the chat by acknowledging you, you know, you're doing amazing work you know with living well with lloyd ashley the work you're doing with mental health on instagram you know you're making it a really safe place for people to speak about stuff and i think what you're doing is fantastic so thank you for joining me hey thank you for the time tom thank you for the uh, space to have a chat and whether anybody enjoys this or not at least me and you have enjoyed it anyway <laughs> exactly thanks again mate Thank you again for listening to the latest podcast. I really appreciate your support as always. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it, subscribe and leave a rating. Thank you and take care.